The Prom is a musical based on a true story about a lesbian high school student whose school chooses to cancel their prom rather than allow her to bring her girlfriend as her date. The musical The Prom poses the question, what if four Broadway actors whose success is waiting decide to travel to Indiana to champion this girl's cause? After its Broadway closure in 2019, a film adaptation is set to premiere on Netflix on December 11th. My guest today is Holly Sampson. They are the operations director of Theater of the Oppressed NYC, host the amazing podcast Thesis on Joan that is about the LGBTQ plus performing arts community, and they saw The Prom five times during its nine-month Broadway run. I hope you enjoy our conversation about The Prom. Hi, Holly. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm really excited to be here and talk about The Prom. I love this musical and have a lot of feelings about it. So (laughs) I'm excited to dig in with you. How are you? I am great. I am so excited to dive into this one. So can you tell me how you first heard or saw The Prom? Yeah, I had heard about it from my friend and and the podcast that I co-host with my friend Megan uh, works in marketing for Broadway shows uh, on the Rialto. And she was on the marketing team for the prom and was involved when it was um, out of town. So she had like seen um, the out of town tryouts and readings and things. So um, she had been telling me about it. And, you know, there are so few musicals with uh, queer women protagonists. So uh, we were both really excited about it. Um, and, And I think I was like a little skeptical because it sounded very kind of like a story we've already heard before in terms of like a young like privileged white girl coming out and like her struggles with that um but you know I went in hopeful and I saw it when it was in previews on Broadway uh with my partner and one of my oldest friends who's also queer um and it was so magical we had like these amazing seats in the orchestra and we were just like laughing and crying through the whole thing the people in, sitting in front of us turned around at intermission and was like, oh my God, I'm having so much fun just like listening to you all react to the show. <laughs> um, That's so, so cute. Apparently we were, yeah, we were very vocal. Um, and then uh, during um, Emma's song, song and act two, Unruly Hearts, I think we all just like held hands and like cried together. <laughs> um, so after that, I was like really hooked and I, I just like kept going back and seeing it as often as I could. And um, it was really like a source of joy for me in, in 2019. Uh, and I was really sad when it closed. But yeah, love this show. Wait, so how many times have you seen The Prom? Uh, I saw it five times wow. uh, over like a year and so I saw it in previews in late in October 2018. And then I saw it the week before it closed in 2019. I forget when that was. But yeah, I kind of saw it through like its whole run. Uh, and part of the reason I went so many times was that um, I went with work. Uh, I work with Theater of the Oppressed NYC. And uh, we work with the Ali Forney Center, who which is LGBTQ homeless youth. Uh, and so they... Um, gave us group tickets to bring some of the youth to the show. So I went with them twice too. Oh, that is awesome. I'm also dying right now because I almost saw the prom. <laughs> I came so close <laughs> oh, to seeing no. the prom. And then the last, we were going to rush it. But then the last minute, like most of my friends who were going to go with me dropped out. And I was only in New York for the weekend. And I was like, 
well, I want to see the show, but I can I know that I can see it on tour later because I live in Chicago. And so all the tours come mm-hmm. through here. So it's like, I know I can see it on tour later. And I think this time is valuable with my friends. So I'm going to choose not to go see it and spend time with them instead, which I know is probably the right decision. But <laughs> now it's been a year without theater. And I'm like, I wish I saw the prom first. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> And who knows what's going to happen with the tour next year, too, you know? I know. Oh, my gosh. I can't think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have faith that I'll see it one day. Definitely, yeah. And, and, you know, the movie's coming out, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, so. Oh, yeah. There's lots to, lots to talk about with the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is also really cool that you got to see it with uh, work as well. I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah. Um, it was part of... Um, I don't know if it was the producers were driving that, but I, you know, I was connected through Megan who was trying to bring in groups. Um, and we actually went on the like special Ryan Murphy night where he was there and all of his like very fancy famous friends were there. Um, and then a bunch of, they invited a bunch of different groups um, from like the Hedrick Martin Institute. I think Covenant House was there um, and us with Ali Fournay. So um like the whole mezzanine was filled with LGBTQ youth. Um, and I was sitting towards the back and I could just kind of watch everyone watch it. And it was pretty magical. Um, and that was the night they announced that they were, they were going to do the movie, the Netflix movie. Um, so that was really exciting. And, and Ryan Murphy like came out at the beginning and kind of shouted out everyone who was there. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think we could actually see anyone because we were in the mezzanine, but it was, you know, it was cool to know Sarah Jessica Parker was there and Andrew Reynolds and all these fancy people. Wow. That is a really cool room to be in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the audience, like, just screaming and crying, like, after every song. It was it was so cool. I love theater. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about the background story of this musical because I didn't realize this was taken directly from a true story. I knew that like things like this had happened and that obviously it was inspired by like the real America, but I didn't realize it was like pulled directly from someone's story and then reinterpreted from there. It's known as the Ottawamba County School District Palm Controversy. (laughs) That's the full title. Oh, wow. In 2010. And uh, so it actually took place in Mississippi, not Indiana, but it's actually pretty close to the story of the prom a lesbian student wanted to take her girlfriend to the prom uh they refused to let her and when a lawsuit was brought against them for this they just canceled the prom rather than allow gay people to exist um then there <laughs> they parents organized a private prom but then that got canceled as well then they organized a second private prom that were like okay this time like this is our prom this is what it's going to be. It's just organized privately. But it actually wasn't. And it was basically a hoax for uh, poor Constance was the name of the real girl. And I believe there was also a note that it was like her and a couple of special ed students were the only kids there, which is just horrible on so many levels of like the level of bullying going on at this school. And all of the Mm -hmm. other kids were at a secret prom that they weren't allowed to know about. Whoa. I did not know that either. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's like the background story. And thank God in the end, they actually won or they settled the lawsuit, but they settled it by paying her and adopting a new um, non-discrimination policy at the school so that this would, kind of thing wouldn't happen again. So there is there was like a happy-ish ending in real life, which is 
mm-hmm. least something. Ugh, wow, that's so heartbreaking. Uh, I feel like the end of Act One is so gut-wrenching when that happens to her and knowing that that was probably true for many people. Um, but yeah, hearing the actual story is pretty impactful. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, because I haven't seen the prom, I didn't know that was the act one finale moment. Like I had listened oh, to no. the soundtrack a bunch, but I hadn't, because I was like, oh, I'll see it someday. So I like hadn't sat down and like looked at the details of the plot. And so I started prepping for this episode and I was like, wait, that's what happens to her. And I was like, oh my God, that's so horrible that they do that to her in the show. And then I went deeper and like found out that's what they did to the real life girl. And I'm like, okay, I quit. Oh my God. <laughs> It's so uh, manipulative and just kind of evil, um, the level of planning and conspiracy behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know 2010 was a different time, but like it wasn't that long ago. That's funny. When you said 2010, I'm like, oh, that makes sense of like (laughs) when this happened and how long it's taken since then for it to become a musical that's on Broadway. Yeah, I feel like it, like they got started working on that right away. <laughs> Do you know if they wrote the the actor characters like based on the actors who perform them? I know Angie is, but are the rest of them? I've heard that generally. There's not a ton of information that I found about the development of the show. It's kind of like this real thing happened and then the writers wrote a musical and they're all like experienced in musical theater world. So there wasn't a lot of like good details about development but there was a quote that um they basically knew who the broadway actor broadway actor actors were going to be (laughs) from very early in the process so they all had input so they were able to incorporate like work with the actors um when they were developing those characters yeah yeah that makes sense they seem so right for um those actors real life actors which is very cool to see and I that makes a lot of sense and also like makes me feel better about some of the characters honestly because they are like very character like but knowing that the actors who are representing that like were in on the joke rather than representing the joke like makes it feel mm-hmm. better to me yeah I think that's what I love about the humor of this show is that it's so self-referential and like most of the time, I think the jokes that work the most are ones where they're making fun of themselves or just being so ridiculous that, uh, but you know that they're doing it on purpose. Um, and then I think the moments that don't work for me are where the humor kind of like punches down or like, is just uh, an easy joke to make like the jokes like the fat jokes or the eating disorder jokes, uh, which you might not know because I don't think they're in the cast recording, but um yeah in the book every time it happens I'm like oh why do we have to include that (laughs) oh yeah I did not know about that unfortunately it doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me because musical theater is still trash Um, yep (laughs) but that is really unfortunate and Hollywood is also trash I don't know I hope that maybe they make some edits for the movie but I don't have a lot of faith in that yeah I doubt it we'll see (laughs) Well, I I kind of have my list of, like, stuff I love about this show and then, like, my concerns about this show as someone who hasn't seen it live. And I would love to get your perspective on some of these. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. I guess, like, just starting (laughs) – how do I kindly say the whole concept of the show? Um, (laughs) As, like, some – because I've only listened to it, I'm obviously not getting the full picture. And so – 
to me, like, while part of the point of the show is that the Broadway actors are, like, so overbearing and ridiculous, it also feels to me like they're overbearing and ridiculous in the show itself in a way that perhaps wasn't completely intentional and that it overtakes like Emma and Alyssa's story in a way that I don't love. I was wondering what your perspective on that is. Yeah, I love it um, because like, because it's such a, also a love letter to theater, which I also think um, Bob Barton's other show, Drowsy Chaperone does um, just puts out there all the thing, all, all the reasons why we love musicals. Right. And, and really like uh, humanizes them. Um, and I think the show does that really well too. And I think if it was just Emma and Alyssa, I'd be bored. This is, it's such a weird concept in show to explain. And I think, especially like the first song when they're like in their opening night and, you know, celebrating their Eleanor Roosevelt musical, it sounds terrible. Um, you're kind of like, I always forget. And like, what is this show? Like, why are we here? This is such a different world from the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, I think the whole like, oh, I want to come out, people are homophobic, this sucks, is kind of just played out really a, a lot in media and having this other element and talking about like saviorism uh, and kind of critiquing the theater industry is what is the more interesting part of the show for me, at least. Okay, that is actually, like I feel comforted by hearing that because I'm like, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that my perhaps like outside assessment isn't totally correct there. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I, but I think you're right. It does overshadow the like the love story, the queer story a lot. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I mean, like, I am also a huge musical theater fan, obviously. <laughs> so like, of course, I'm also going to be the target audience for like stories about musical theater and like both a love letter, but also a critique of the theater industry and what that is. Um, and so I'm sure that I also would like really enjoy seeing that as well. You've also said a few things about this, but just sort of the simplicity of the story and it being like something that we've seen before kind of which I, I have mixed feelings about this because on one hand like I do think it's a relatively like the sort of the queer story is something we definitely like have seen before kind of many times but on the other hand I also am like very touched by it regardless and still feel like really moved by it even though I'm like is is this like fairly predictable and sort of like standard fair queer storytelling right now yes do I also get emotional every time they kiss yes <laughs> no I agree and I wish there was more than just one kiss in the show like it doesn't really make sense to me that there's only one and and they've been together for a year and a half at the part with at the point when the show takes place and I'm like oh they would be you know kissing all the time <laughs> like I there's so many moments in the show where it felt like that would be um, a deserved and like acceptable choice to make. But yeah, that is an interesting reveal because I've seen the like public performances of it where they they play up the kiss at the end of the song as like kind of like this crowning achievement moment. And I mm -hmm. was unsure whether that's how much of that is in the actual show versus just being like sort of the finale moment of a, of a performance. But that is that's really their only kiss in the show. <laughs> That's their only kiss. I think they mm -hmm. added it for one of the public performances. Like, whatever they did in the parade, mm -hmm. I remember 
hearing that like there was discussion if they would include the kiss or not and they and they did but i can't remember if that's if they were doing the actual finale i think they did and that that's when the kiss happened is is in the last song um but yeah i guess i think also there were there were more kisses in earlier versions of the show and they took them out huh uh, which is sad that is sad yeah yeah i I have seen that like it pretty much regardless of what song they perform they have like the kiss finale moment at the end which i do respect i do respect them putting the this kiss like on many as many television screens as possible um Mm -hmm. but yeah it doesn't really make realistic sense that that would be the only kiss in the show unless you view girls kissing as like a huge deal yeah (laughs) and i think a lot of the songs they're like if they're together and singing they're in public um, so I think that was an excuse to not have them kiss more often, but you never see them like in Emma's room alone. Um, you find out in the show, she's never been to Alyssa's house uh, because her mom doesn't know. Um, yeah. So they, there's not really like uh, a lot of privacy for them in the show, mm. which I wish we had more of. Poor little gay kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> With all of that though, I, we haven't talked much about the music itself. Um, and I was wondering, like, starting with, I guess, overall, what are your thoughts on the music? Like, likes, dislikes, faves? Oh, I love the I love the score. I It was, like, one of the one I get into, like, obsessive music listening where I'll just have, like, one album that I love and I'll just listen to it over and over again. And this is definitely one of them um, of 2019. Um, whenever I could like get into a car, I would like blast it and, uh, (laughs) it's so fun and peppy. And I love the mix of like kind of older musical theater standard songs with the more like poppy tonight belongs to us. The, the, what's the finale number? Um, it's time to dance. It's time to dance. Stuff like that. I think the principal song is really sweet, but I, I usually skip it when I listen to it. <laughs> um, and I, I love Beth Level. So anything she does, I am pretty um, obsessed with it. <laughs> and I'll listen to it on repeat. So Beth Level is amazing. And she really just gives like 110% for every second Ugh. of this show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and every time I saw it, she just killed it every time. Oh my gosh. And, okay. and I saw her in Drowsy a few times too, and it was the same. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love her. I feel very similarly. I love the score and I love how sort of like old school musical theater, a lot of it feels while having this more like contemporary subject and like contemporary slant to it um, with some of the music. I do say I do always skip the acceptance song because it makes me cringe so hard that I can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, my partner feels the same. I still listen to it. I think it's funny. <laughs> so join with me and sing this acceptance song. Let us accept one another. I know it's truly hard. It is funny, and again, it's one of those things, like, I know that's the point, but I still, it's, like, it's too real because, like, too many people, like, do talk like that in real life that I just, like, can't, (laughs) I can't separate (laughs) fact from fiction here. Um, Your listeners can't see, but I'm wearing my shirt from the Acceptance song in, uh, from the Broadway show. They all reveal at the end of the song that they're wearing uh, these, like, bright yellow t-shirts that say, we're all lesbians, um, 
And it's just so misguided and so wrong, but the like intention behind it is very pure. <laughs> and I guess not because it's for publicity, but um, you know, they were trying to do what they thought was right. It kind of reminds me of that infamous line from Glee where he goes, you're all minorities. You're in the Glee club. <laughs> it's like not quite the Aww. same, but it's too close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw it, they didn't have the shirt at the merch stand. And I'm like, oh, you're just you're losing so much money because I would buy one for me and all my friends. So <laughs> and that's what happened. Then you can stage your own musical number and you all reveal your <laughs> shirts. <laughs> exactly. It's a great shirt for pride. Uh, wearing it around gets you a lot of questionable looks. It's great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and I do have one really specific compliment from this score, which is that I love the way the first three songs go together because you start out with Changing Lives, which is this wild number of our Broadway stars performing Eleanor the Musical, <laughs> which I don't want to exist because it sounds terrible, but I would love just like a scene from it maybe. Um, (laughs) then you have the reprise of that. And if you're just listening to the soundtrack, you're not 100% sure what's going on, but you grasp that they're going to go like help this kid in Indiana for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then like it goes right into Just Breathe, which is just Emma singing like a much simpler, like low key song where it just starts with note to self. Note to self, don't be gay in Indiana. Heads up, that's a really stupid plan. I love the way that it shifts and shows you like these two different worlds that you know are about to absolutely collide, but Emma doesn't realize that yet. And you're like, oh, this whole this whole machine is about to come crashing into your life. Yeah, I feel like my whole um feeling for the first for through the whole show is just oh god protect emma uh yeah but i agree and then there's another reprise um of the changing lives kind of song i know like one is on the cast recording but there's another one that is not Mm. yeah i wonder what their thought was behind only including one oh that's interesting where is the second one um it's towards the end of the show I think when they are kind of having their like final moments of um, realization about how to actually be good people. <laughs> well, I think it's now time to talk about the movie adaptation. Okay. On December 11th, the Netflix Ryan Murphy adaptation of The Prom is going to be available. So, Holly, how do you feel about this upcoming movie? Ugh. I was so excited when Ryan Murphy first announced it that this show, the story was going to be shared to a wider audience. I think that's amazing. And then when I found out they weren't bringing the original cast along with it, I was pretty upset. (laughs) Um, Like these parts feel like they're written for them. If they weren't, they're like heavily, um, you know, working with them to develop it. And I was so excited for the world to know who Beth level was (laughs) and like to share her talent with everyone. Um, and when they announced the cast, I was just kind of like, oh, why? Why do we need this production of it? Like, I'm upset that James Corden is cast. It has He's a straight man um, in a very, very queer role. Um, Meryl Streep can't sing it like Beth can. And I mean, she's going to 
act the shit out of it and I'm sure it'll be great, but you know, everyone knows that Meryl can do this and, and Beth, um, I don't know. I think she would have just really given a, a fuller perspective on it because it is kind of her life, you know? Um, and, and I, yeah, I wish the girls, the Caitlin and Izzy from the Broadway cast could have also done it too. And I don't understand why the, the new Emma was cast. Like, why couldn't they have just used Caitlin? This new person is not really known for anything. Um, she's not Meryl. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was excited about Aquafina, who they originally cast or, or announced was going to be in it. And then um, I don't know what happened, but she's not in it anymore. I am excited about Carrie Washington uh, and Ariana DeBose. Uh, that's probably what I'm most excited about. Um, I, I don't, I didn't understand why all the actor, the main like Broadway actors had to be white in the first place. Like there's so much room for diverse casting in this show and, and not taking that felt, you know, that's a choice. Um, and it hasn't really changed in the movie cast either. So that's disappointing. Yeah, those are some of my initial thoughts. Um, watching the trailer, uh, I'm glad that like the color scheme seems the same. <laughs> but um, I was nervous that they didn't really have any of the main actors singing at all in the trailer. I'm like, oh God, is it because it's really bad? <laughs> oh, <laughs> What's no. happening? Um, I was upset that they've like changed the the class of the town of Edgewater. Um, in the musical, it feels very, very like. I didn't say this before, but I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Ohio, right next to Indiana. So all the Midwestern jokes hit home for me really hard. <laughs> I love them. But in the musical, it feels like, oh, I know these people. I went to high school with them. Like the, the school next door has like tractor day and where all the kids ride their tractors to school. Like that's the kind of school it seemed like. And like the like work, very working class and everything in the, tr- the movie trailer is like so shiny and uh, like upper middle class. And it doesn't really make sense to me that they're going to um, monster truck shows and that the fancy hotel that they're at doesn't have a suite because it sure looks like it would have a suite. <laughs> um, things like that. Uh, yeah. Initial thoughts. Yeah. I'd love to hear yours. I feel very similarly to you. Um, I am pretty disappointed with the casting overall. And I, I, I get it. I get that they want like movie stars to bring in a wider audience. And if it does bring in like a significantly wider audience to this original musical, like, I guess that's good. (laughs) I can admit that that's a good thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I, I am like disappointed that they didn't bring the original cast along um, or to make any particular like exciting casting decisions when they decided not to do that. Um, Besides again, like, Carrie and Ariana, yes, I am excited about them because they're mm-hmm. great. And I do love Ariana DeBose, who is in every movie musical that's coming out in like the next three years. So good for her. That's great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> keep that up. <laughs> yeah, that no, great. That I love her. Um, but beyond just my like intermittent rage that they cast James Corden as this gay man who like his sexuality is central to his character arc. Um, I also just don't think the story works as well when it's actually just like Meryl Streep in front of you because the whole point is that like they are theater people and they are like and that theater people like aren't superstars like they're very famous specifically and they have a very certain idea of themselves but then they go to Indiana and like people don't really care who they are and like that's a big part of the show 
and they're playing those characters, but this time it's Meryl Streep. And I'm like, well, this isn't realistic anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it'll work in the same way for other folks because I'm like, oh, that's Beth Level. She's amazing. She's a Tony winner. Like, of course, everyone should know who she is. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe people will have that same um, reaction to Meryl. But yeah, I am curious to know, like, non-theater people's reaction to this show both the like the broadway production and then the the movie so uh yeah i'm curious to hear what like the response will be yeah i am very curious about what people will be saying about it and all of that being said all my like concerns and criticisms about this movie i will say that i think i almost cried watching the trailer because i was just like <laughs> I haven't, I'm so like deprived of musical theater right now. And I'm like, oh my God, something new is coming out. I don't even care. No, definitely. Uh, I'm still very excited. And I have like a, a Netflix party date with uh, my friends who love this show too. So I'm, I'm still going to love it, I think. But there'll just be a lot of parts that will annoy me and anger me. Um, yeah, I also definitely am like definitely going to watch it the day it comes out. Probably watch it um, virtually with friends and all of that. And I'm like just crossing my fingers that I do like absolutely love it because like you know what I'm willing to forgive a lot if you make a great musical movie out of it okay like we can we can go there and I hope it does do well like I love this kind of resurgence of um, musicals and movies and um, what Hamilton has done with the Disney Plus recording I think is really special and yeah encouraging folks to do more um, and I think the more access to theater and musicals that we can get to folks is awesome. And I do, you started your thoughts on the movie by mentioning that they're using the same color scheme, it seems like. And I do appreciate <laughs> that, that like stylistically it is, um, it has a very strong relationship with the Broadway show and also just is like clearly very stylized as a musical, as opposed to like some movie musicals try to be like pretend they're not musicals mm-hmm. and have this like really intense realism style where this one seems like very shiny and theatery <laughs> and yeah and while that sometimes comes off of weird because I also get your point about like seems to be changing the class of the school which yeah I'd be very interested to see how that shakes out because I'm, I'm not from the midwest I live here now um but I am from rural Maine and so like I also am from like a very sort of like conservative working class area so yeah i would be interested to see like what the full movie does with that and if they put a lot of thought into how that's supposed to look yeah and i wonder if people like i feel like younger i don't know how you old you are but younger generations are kind of don't care about queer stories like this or they're just like yeah everyone's queer why why do we have to make a big deal out of it or like why do we need labels i guess um so i wonder if folks will feel like this is more of an outdated story um, than maybe the, the musical feels. It'll be interesting to see, like, if there are responses coming from different parts of the country and different communities. And, like, it'll be interesting to see who's represented in the reactions to this, like, as a movie coming to a wider audience. Yeah, because I feel like it didn't get as much attention in um, the Broadway season as I wanted it to. And it got nominated for a bunch of Tonys, but it didn't win any. Um I thought it deserved all the Tonys. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but no, I am excited to hear more perspectives and and more like critiques and um, unpacking of it too. I'm all about like digging into all the problematic things of our faves. Yeah, I like one that that really hits me is like is 
Emma is has been kicked out of her house by her parents and lives with her grandma in the show. And, um, you know, that is, is very common. Uh, I think the study is like 40% of all homeless youth are from the LGBTQ community. Um, so this is definitely happening. And Emma is a privilege that she has another relative that she can stay with that, you know, she's not experiencing homelessness. Um, and that's kind of not, fully addressed in the musical and I would love to hear more about that um from her perspective I think every time it's also talked about it's mostly from other people talking about it for her mm-hmm. um and then like is that uh, a threat to Alyssa like she she has her song about how like her mom's so um hypervigilant and like she expects perfection um and is she worried about what could happen to her like living situation and like the very real consequences besides just like her mom being unhappy with her. Like what are the actual stakes there for her? Mm -hmm. Grounding the story in the more like messy reality than kind of the, while they do face real problems, but it's like a pretty shiny, happy world of the prom and, you know, they get to tie it in a bow in the end, which is, I think, like in itself, I think that is great, and I think it's important to do to have like happy queer stories that you tie a bow at on, that you tie a bow on at the end. <laughs> yeah, but it would also be cool to see like are they able to explore more serious issues that are like very unfortunately realistic right now. Mm-hmm. And I think they handle like the end of the storyline with Alyssa and her mom. I think is handled pretty well. Like. So she does come out to her mom and everyone all at once. And then her mom is kind of like, oh, oh, there's a moving moment when Barry is saying, um, if you don't let her be who she is, you're going to lose her. Uh, Because he talks about how he hadn't spoken to his mother in 30 years, which is also very real. Um, And so she kind of like backs down after that. And then um, her like last line is, we'll talk about this tonight. And she leaves. I like that it's not totally a a nice clean bow, but uh, hopefully like there's room for growth there and and understanding um, and that she's willing to have a conversation. The prom too. Alyssa's mom goes to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That'd be great. They all need therapy. (laughs) Everyone in every musical and most real people need therapy. It's true. (laughs) Is there any other thoughts that you want to share before we move on to the lightning round? I feel like Emma is way cooler than I ever was as a teen, as a queer teen in the Midwest. And the uh, the Zazz song. Give it some Zazz. When Angie is like in her room and like showing her how to dance and like rolling around on her bed doing the splits and everything. Like, um I would have lost my mind as a little queer baby um, if this like beautiful woman was just in my bed, like rolling around, like uh, amazing. Um, But yeah, and she's just so self-assured. And I do feel like this uh, applies to younger generations that she's so self-assured and like knows who she is and knows what she wants, um, is able to have boundaries and like breaks up with Alyssa when Alyssa's not willing to come out. And I think that's such an amazing role model for young queer people to have. That is amazing. I didn't learn what boundaries were until I was like 20. So right, (laughs) honestly, good for her. Yeah, definitely. May we all strive to be as cool as Emma. Dreams. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the lightning round. 
So I'll start off by asking you, what's your favorite song in the show? Uh, it's definitely It's Not About Me. Um, as I mentioned, Beth Level fan. And then I think the song really hits the the humor of the show that I love so much. And she's like making all these like very big statements about how terrible the town is all the while, like saying these ridiculous things that just show all her flaws. Um, and it's just written in such a clever way and like clever witty lyrics about making fun of Broadway stars and the Midwest uh, and um, trying to be like a social justice warrior <laughs> with amazing belting. Like that's kind of everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite line in the show? Uh, also from that song, um, it's kind of a whole phrase. So it's stealing the rights of a girl who is an LGBT LGBTQ teen. I've been far too angry to Google what those letters mean. <laughs> that is such a perfect little verse that encapsulates their characters for like half the show (laughs) yep it's perfect (laughs) yeah it's so good well i'm beginning to think that i might know the answer to this but (laughs) who's your favorite character uh it's definitely Dee Dee. like every time she's on stage and and saying or singing something it probably is making me laugh um and and we'll see how much of that translates to the movie i'm curious um i think yeah beth like was able to strike some kind of like lovability with that character too um when it could just be <laughs> um just terribleness yeah. um <laughs> yeah very very excited to see that and see the new interpretation we'll see <laughs> yeah <laughs> well if you could be in the show who would you want to play uh it's funny i was kind of like flip-flopping these two answers between favorite character and who would you want to play but um i ended up yeah i would want to play emma just to kind of relive my teenage years in a better way (laughs) as in a cooler way (laughs) and she has some great songs and she just gets to like interact with all the the actor people and be in shock and awe of them which i understand (laughs) it'd be easy to act that scene right just yeah Exactly. And just like kind of be the straight man and like all the uh, ha straight man um, in all the scenes where like they're being ridiculous and off of you. <laughs> Who would you recommend go see this show? Uh queers from the midwest who love theater um, and their families. Like I I would love to go see the tour when it happens um, like in Ohio and Cleveland and take my parents and see how they feel about it. Um, And just to hear what Midwest audiences think of a show that kind of roasts them. (laughs) Um, I think they'll enjoy it, but who knows? Um, And I I really want to know how the um, love Thy neighbor song goes across in the Midwest. Mm, Yeah. I would be very interested to see that. Cause I mean, like, Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I will eventually see in the Midwest, but I live in Chicago, so it's not quite the Mm -hmm. same. I feel like people in Chicago are also very disdainful of other places in the Midwest. (laughs) So we'll see. That's funny. Yeah. And anytime, anywhere you, I would probably see it would be a bigger city. So we'll see. I want, like, I wonder, are community theaters going to do this? Uh, I think it'd be a great community theater show. Oh, Um, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope that happens. I feel like this would be a great show for like community theaters or high schools. Definitely high schools. Oh, I can't wait to see the prom performed at high school as well. Okay. <laughs> Last question. If you could combine the prom with another musical, which one would you pick? Um, I'm going to go back to the conversation we had earlier about kind of how this is like the very um, nice bow version of queerness and and potentially like homeless queer youth. Um, but because I want to tie this to the runaways. Um, and I'm like, oh, God, what would happen if those actors tried to talk to those kids and like save them, quote unquote, um, and how those kids would just like totally put them in their place. Um, and I don't really want to like subject those kids to that experience, but I think it would be fun to see <laughs> in a safe way. It would make for an interesting show. Yeah. <laughs> Holly, thank you so much for talking to me about the prom today. This has been an absolute blast. <laughs> oh, this was so fun. I'll talk about the prom anytime. Amazing. Well, everyone out there, go watch the prom on Netflix, I guess. I guess that's what we're going to do. Definitely watch it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Corner of a Sky. You can find Holly's podcast, Thesis on Joan, on the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find our show notes at theincomparable.com slash COTS. You can follow us on Twitter at COTS Podcast. I'll see you next month.